0: Hello and welcome to another Soccer to the Max here as we are going on right now on the Twitch and on the Twitters and the Facebook page and of course if you're not going to be watching us uh, live at this crazy hour of one in the morning (laughs) Eastern time uh, you can also uh, listen to us later on all the podcasts we are available on all kinds of uh, every pretty much every podcast thing you can imagine at this point, whether it's part of W2 network or just listening through the soccer to the max feed or you can watch us on YouTube through the W2 network channel just subscribe there and of course you're gonna get all the goodies that includes Eric's gazillion shows and <laughs> uh, my my games podcasts and everything else. Um, so there is quite a bit uh, to talk about here as there has just been so much stuff that happened. Uh, we were supposed to do this on Sunday. There would have been a little bit less stuff, I guess, to talk about. But um, I guess it's one of those times where it's nice that we waited till the weekend because now we have too much stuff <laughs> uh, to talk about and try to fit it all in like an hour or so uh, time frame. Um, so here's what's on the docket for today is, uh, you know, the – the CONCAFW W qualifiers are finished, and we know the final field now—the final eight teams—and that are going to be representing in Mexico. The U.S. Women's National Team, which already was placed into that uh, by the fact that they, you know, won the World Cup last, last go around, and also being, you know, a seeded team, played Uzbekistan in a two-game window. With 18 goals uh, between both games, uh, only conceding once, and we'll talk about that as well. Uh, Anything to take out from those two games, and we'll uh, we'll be talking about the Concacaf Champions League because that final is set now. You got the UEFA Champions League, which had plenty uh, to go through. Um, Eric Ten Hag is uh, given a verbal agreement to Manchester United to become their it's it's new manager and then uh, you know we haven't talked about the team in a while either so I guess we'll we'll get into that and uh, there's a FIFA streaming service now so if you wanted to add more (laughs) streaming services to your lineup you could also add a FIFA streaming service uh, to that as well FIFA plus is now a thing so Eric, I mean, how, I guess, first of all, how are you doing in this early morning?
1: Ah, normally this for me, this is like my peak, especially if you see me on all of my other different podcasts. This is around the time to where I'm either recording something or uploading something to record. So overall doing okay, trying to digest everything that's been going on.
0: Yeah, there has been uh, plenty to digest. Uh, quite honestly, let me make sure I I put this uh, phone on silent because I have a bad habit of something deciding that it wants to ring at some point here. Um, yeah, I so might as well start with perhaps since uh, the two Champions Leagues uh, were were decided or moved on uh, today after everything. UEFA Champions League, you didn't quite get the uh, triumvirate of uh, English teams, even though Chelsea made heck, one heck of a go of it on uh, Tuesday, as they somehow went from being 3-1 down to scoring three goals in that game itself, and then allowed one in late off a wonderful, uh, just wonderful cross by uh Luka Modric, a wonderful ball in, and it goes 4 4 to extra time. And wouldn't you know it, he really hadn't been doing a whole lot in that game. Uh, Kareem Benzema, he's the one that puts it away for Real Madrid to continue their incredible, incredible streak of what 15 semifinals now they've been to.
1: I, I mean, this is crazy, and you highlighted the two key names. Karim Benzema and Luka Modric. Yes, they're world-class players, but they are still on a little bit of the older side. We're talking mid-30s. Not only does Benzema have a wonderful performance of the first leg, a hat-trick, following up with the tie winner in extra time, and it's just like, where do you see this coming from?
0: Yeah, sad thing uh, Pulisic once again gets subbed in and then has two chances kind of later, and he can't hit either one. Uh, that kind of seems to be his woes at times with Chelsea. Of He gets put in good positions. and I mean, look, he's he attacks well. He goes mm-hmm. after it. He's a menace in the box. But when you're counting on him to finish, that's where it's a little bit of a problem at times. It's interesting that they were able to do this once again without Romelu Lukaku, who at this point, I mean, I, I wonder how he feels about... How he couldn't even get on. I mean, he had a some uh, some kind of injury that apparently made it to where he wasn't present in the that second leg there, Eric. But I mean, that's crazy for Chelsea to go out and pay all this money for. That's your number nine, and then you go yeah. and use this this setup instead. You know,
1: I mean, you would have thought that like bringing him back to Chelsea, being the talisman, being. As you said, the number nine, the striker that you... And you have Thomas Tuchel, who's led Chelsea to incredible heights. It's like, you know what? Nah, if we don't have this. I'm going to try something else, and it works entirely. So you wonder, now with what's going on at the top, with the ownership and everything, what's going on on the pitch, could we see an outright crazy summer for Chelsea? I mean... It's potentially setting up that way.
0: I mean, he did say he wanted to go back to Italy, so mm-hmm. maybe that's in the cards for him uh, at some point there. I I don't know. I mean, somebody would have to want to pay the wages and everything. He might get stuck there. Uh, but who knows if, if Tuchel stays around, depending on who decides uh, to wind up being – I mean, not decides, but who winds up being the owner's. Uh, eventually, and what they kind of see themselves as the next step for the team. I mean, it'd be kind of weird to say you're not going to, like, keep the manager that, yes, he kind of faulted in the league and all that stuff, but he still had you in contention all the way to the quarterfinals of a championship they already held the previous season. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And then on on the other end, I mean, talk about perhaps the – The biggest moment from these four games is Villarreal, such a small town there in in Spain uh, with the smallest budget of all those teams goes out there, Unai Emery doing it again in cup competitions with uh, not only the 1-0 win, but then going back and then able to score another goal to not let it get to extra time, not give Byron any hope, and and just outright win the tie.
1: I mean, we've seen it happen to us, a Europa League final, something about this man, how he can just collect a team in these situations. And, I mean, if you look at some of the coverage, Villarreal was not given a chance. I looked at that, and I was like, okay, Byron's just going to roll. But, right. when you have them as that much of an underdog, it's like, nope, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. We're just going to go ahead and leave it all out there. We win, great. And that's when they get, in this case, not one, but two huge results to advance. <coughs> I'm sorry, excuse me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's just crazy that, uh, you know, okay, cool. You you shock and and win, um there and and get the one nil but then like you're totally expecting okay byron's gonna wake up right mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna do their thing um that you would expect them to do maybe not roll via real but like yeah. get a couple goals in and put it away and to vrl's credit um they just they pulled it off i mean they were Tremendous throughout, and it's just incredible to me, I think, that who knows? I mean, could they do it again? I mean, you would think not with the way that Liverpool has has played. Um, no way. I mean, did they perhaps give people a scare in this game against Benfica? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, what, Benfica, I think, had, like, three goals disallowed.
1: At one yeah. point, like yeah, yeah. yeah, and you gotta wonder, especially with after like that first leg like, with the Liverpool. I mean a three-one lead, you would think, okay, job done. But Benfica's right. just like no, uh uh-uh. uh. And again, as you just saw just you could say bad luck after more bad luck after more bad luck, and right, they're just sitting left wondering, you know, what might have been. And if I'm Jurgen Klopp, I'm thinking, Okay, <laughs> could be a bit of a problem. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too, like, uh, you know, to be fair to Bayern, they thought, okay, we did enough to get it to extra time or whatever, and Villarreal at the last – in the last few minutes that were left, go and deliver that shock at Allianz Arena. I mean, uh, you have to wonder the pressure that Julian Nagelsmann is feeling um, right now. I'm sure the German media are going to be all over him because this is not – it's not like Byron hasn't been doing this in the league as well. They do this a lot Mm -hmm. when they come against these teams they are supposed to beat and they go and and play down to their level and they lose or they draw, you know, and it's, it's incredible to see such a big team that go from, oh, this is a team that wins nine championships in a row and they're so dominant and they run rampant and then, this year ever since the coaching change i it almost seems kind of parallel a little bit to like what we saw with jesse marsh and rv leipzig like what you hear now is oh they're telling Nogles we need to go back to what flick was was doing at byron that's what you need to do like stop doing this three at the back system it's not working like you know And it's that's the same thing that was happening with Jesse Marsh, right? Like they were telling you, you need to go back to what they were doing before you came,
1: yeah. And you get that, okay, you're used to doing it that with certain formations and setups, and you have a level of success. But when you change managers like that, not everything is going to be the same. There's going to be bumpy patches, and it's going to be a little bit of time to implement these things. But when you're I wouldn't even say it's so much RB Leipzig when you're Bayern and you're used to this level of success. I mean, you just won, if I remember correctly, a European treble some years ago. It's way up there. So you think, oh, if you have what would be a terrible year bowing out this early or maybe not winning the league or not winning it as closely, walking it at a canter. But it's like, take time take a step back if after a longer period say multiple seasons where this isn't working then you try considering something don't just be so quick to jump the gun
0: right but i mean you know fans press they're going to be a little bit more quick to oh yeah like, they are well you just had success why is it that in your first year when you're supposed to be supposed to be such a great manager it's not happening right mm-hmm. so that is a question that people are going to ponder, and it's not like again. Byron wasn't playing Real Madrid. Biden wasn't playing Man City. Byron wasn't playing Liverpool. They were playing or uh, playing Villarreal. Which to Villarreal, Villarreal's credit, you know what we've seen them do all season is they play well defensively. They don't score a lot, uh, but they will make you work for it, and that's what they do in in the league as well. And you know. Byron kind of didn't know how to deal with that very well. I mean, so you know, it is it is what it is on that front. I mean, talking about the Liverpool game for a second, other than that, the craziness that I mean, you you could definitely say VAR definitely worked in this game. They, <laughs> the the if it wasn't the linesman that was uh, telling you for sure. That every it seemed like every goal his flag was up and then waiting for VAR to make the the correct decision, uh, you know it was uh, Firmino coming in and uh, almost getting a hat trick, playing well. Uh, Klopp basically played a lot of subs in the first half and it uh, really turned up for him. And you know, uh, to credit to Benfica, man, like credit to Benfica, to. Make a game of it at Anfield. Right? Oh yeah, they could have just wilted after that Konate goal, and yeah.
1: they didn't. No, I mean when you're someone and you when you're that far down in aggregate, you're away no less. It's like okay, you have a lot of teams that'd be willing to just roll over and play dead. It's like no, even if we don't wind up winning. We're gonna go ahead and give it our best and use this as a springboard for the rest of our league season. And I give that same credit to Benfica for doing just that. Right. And
0: I mean, I think also just it's uh it's it's incredible to see what like Liverpool, you know, going and they were they almost could have lost that game against Man City over the weekend. They went and mm-hmm. when were able to get the draw, they got the big FA Cup game against Man City on the weekend as well, and then, you know, able to just go out there and do their thing here, uh, secure the win. I mean, you could say maybe it was in a little bit of doubt had the Nunez the Nunes goal not been uh disallowed offside there in the 91st minute or whatever. But it really was never going to be in doubt, honestly. They and took I'm- care of business, and now you got to – now you got a night. what you would think is an interesting time between Villarreal and
1: Liverpool now. And I mean, the fact is, and I know Harry Broadhurst himself, I've seen him commenting in the chat, incredibly grueling schedule, but they've got their eyes on the prize knowing that it's basically going to be between them and Man City for a quadruple. One of the trophies of the Carabao Cup is already out of the way, but Klopp is like, okay, he's not going to take this daunting schedule for granted. But at the same time, he's like, all right, I've got to maximize my rotation, see what I can do within this schedule so I know when I really need my best 11, they're going to be fresh and they're going to be able to get the key results. So in a way, it was a very good thing for not only Jurgen to – have that opportunity to see a lot of these subs, but it's like, okay, now I know even more of what they can do, how I can mix and match.
0: Yeah, something you you can't really say right now for Man City, who's kind of having to play a lot of the same guys, and they had to play them in this game because of how close the score lines were. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, you know, the the parking the bus aspect that Atletico Madrid basically pulled in in the first you know game and then to go and you're at home and you do basically do the same thing again mm-hmm. it's it's insane to me <laughs> that they wow uh I, and and then only that when it wasn't working they just go to fisticuffs cups it's
1: yeah <laughs> and for something like that they're like okay we know city has a lot of firepower Right. We can't outscore them. Let's limit the damage. For the most part, going home down just one nil on aggregate, yeah. you're in a great position. But at that point, you have to find some way to go forward and get that tying goal and do something. They didn't, yeah. and then, like you said, it's like, all right, well, if we can't score, we're just going to fight. Mm. <laughs> I mean, but we have seen that
0: at times with Man City, we've seen, um, you know, these teams come in at like Crystal Palace and a few other. It's it's still incredible to me how they were up like what fourteen points mm-hmm. at one point in the league, and then they're all the way down to you know what they are now with this basically tit for tat with Liverpool, where neither one can afford to to drop any points because you're you may be giving them the league after what happened on, on the weekend. So you look at it and you go, can man city, even though they have all these uh, terrific players, I mean, you're still missing uh, some guys, but yes, they have an embarrassment of riches, but is that, are you going to be able to trust them to be able to bring them on and say uh, Jack Grealish, who you still, I feel like you haven't gotten the best from him and say, okay, all these other games left, we're going to play well. But, you know, this game coming up for Man City uh, and Liverpool is going to be another one of these where, who knows, are they going to be able to – are they going to play the same lineups or are we going to – you think they're going to get – they're going to try to do the same thing, where we we play some of the rotated players in the first half and then see how it goes?
1: I mean, they're going to have to try – Because at this point, while your schedule isn't as daunting as Liverpool's, you're really going to be kind of burnt out and have your players burnt out even if you are giving them, you know, 50, 60, 70 minutes. It's like you're not going to be able to have this team playing in every essence every three days or every single week. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing now with these and then how much is Champions League a distraction, especially for Man City, who now has to play Real Madrid. They have what you would ex- you would say on paper is the tougher tie, um, even though we have seen sometimes Real Madrid will do what they do, right? Where they, that first game, it, it's either the opposite, right? Where they come out and they're kind of a bit flat and then they go and pull a miracle in the Bernabeu or what we saw the opposite of against Chelsea, where they went out and went at it and took advantage of Chelsea, and then Chelsea kind of fought back. So that's going to be an interesting uh, fight for Pep as far as how much can I dedicate to the league when I have this big game coming up on the weekend, and then after that you also have the big game against Real Madrid mm-hmm. later on down the line in a, in a two-legged affair. So that's yeah. going to be...
1: Pep. Pep's yeah. got to decide right now. What trophies am I really going to go for and win? Because it's all right. about hardware. Again, as I mentioned earlier, one the least of the four if you really want to look at it. Let that slip away against the Liverpool. But now you still got a treble on the line. It's like, all right, if I can't win at all, what's my most important ones to help keep everybody happy?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't see Pep just giving up a chance to win that. I do think that, I mean, after what we saw on, mm-hmm. on the weekend, we know what these two teams can do for that task. And to replicate that again is, is you know, a ridiculous task, honestly. And then I think it just takes uh, who's going to come up with that little bit of magic. Who's going to come up with some of the saves? Uh, whether it's going to be Allison, who I would count on way more than Ederson, who sometimes. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we saw him almost give up one uh in that game. Uh it's, is, is Salah gonna finally have his kind of come back to form where we've kinda seen him kinda dip a little bit, I feel like, since uh since he had the the knockout in the World Cup. I feel like we haven't seen him be at his best um yet where, you know, okay, you know you're not qualifying, Egypt's not making it there. Maybe he's he's gone a little bit he does have the contract situation coming mm-hmm. up as well, you know. So um, but for Man City, they know it's Champions League or bus right mm-hmm. now. So that's that's the thing is he willing to sacrifice a cup that they've won for already to get the one that's elusive, at least with Man City, uh for Pep. So that's a big thing. And can the two Spanish sides uh keep up this incredible run as well? Because you know, Real Madrid, they don't have to worry about the league, honestly. They just gotta win a couple more, and they got that sewn up. Uh, Barcelona has the game at Hammett. They got to make up nine points. That's a lot, uh, even though they're in an incredible form. And Villarreal is there where they're at. Villarreal's not really going to go anywhere. They're not going to go down. They're not going to go up. So this is kind of Villarreal's shot at this point. If you want to make it back in the Champions League, yeah, might have to get further than here uh, to get there. So that's going to be just those are like the storylines going in are definitely made for. Perhaps something you don't expect. Um, and then just Real Madrid, every time you think this is gonna be the moment, right, where oh, they're gonna get unseated, they come up with something. So um you would expect Pep's gonna have that that eye and that mind over there. So let's switch over to the CONCAF side of things. Uh we are having once again, we knew this coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Because we had the, the two um the two MLS sides playing each other, and then you had the two. Uh, Mexican league sides playing each other and what a fight it was between Pumas and Cruz Azul uh, as well. Pumas is making uh they haven't really been proficient when it's been the, the champions league. Um, they've been the one of the, the quadrado that really hasn't been a factor, but uh, they were, they were big in the eighties with the champions cup, but mm-hmm. not so much with the champions league. Uh, Cruz Azul, who, after so many years of not winning anything, uh finally won the championship again. And they're they're missing out here, and they get to play one of the powerhouses of MLS in Seattle, uh, with the, the actual defending champions of the league. They have been um, we know we're gonna talk about New England free falling, NYCFC is just,
1: just as bad. Yeah, and I don't know. You can say with New England, we've seen this before, and we talked about this all going through last season. Winning that supporter shield, you very rarely come away with MLS Cup, and you have that sort of a hangover between talent leaving everybody else, like stepping up and tracking you down. You get that sort of like a hangover, that free fall. And I think with NYCSC even though they are a relatively young team in terms of being an MLS, they still haven't had that level of success that they were living and really building up to when Manchester City and their ownership essentially got this team and got this together. Now that they have, you still don't know about, okay, what do you do next? And it's going to be interesting to see – if NYCFC or even New England, either of those teams can get it together and say, hey, don't let last year just be like that one-off. Continue that sustained success. And meanwhile, you have teams like Seattle. I mean, something about the Cascadia region. Everything is just a right as rain. It's like, okay, we've had our blip, but we're still the Sounders. we still got our core. We know who we are, how we're going to play. And we're gonna force you to stop it. Yeah, I mean, and they're they they. It feels like they have
0: even more weapons mm-hmm. right now. With you know Jordan Morris finally being healthy, uh, Lodero is there, Dre Diaz. I mean, it, you could just like make keep adding on guys that are just so great. This could be that that time. This could be the one for MLS. You have perhaps one of your best teams, not just historically but currently right now. Mm-hmm. in MLS going against Epuma's team that you know has been playing well you would say but I mean I don't know that I would tip them as the favorites like you would a lot of uh, the rest of the when the when the Mexican league sides have come into
1: play. You know no and if you're looking at with them in Liga MX that really shows yeah. yes Historically good, as you mentioned, but having not just an off year, but really a middling few years, having this great run, if I'm Seattle, I don't even just think about the weight of MLS, it's just okay, this is a good team, but we can be that better team, let's just win it for us, get the monkey off of MLS's back, and say all right, don't let the pressure build, we know, especially over two legs, we can do it.
0: No, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the thing is you look at it right now, neither team is honestly doing terrific in the league. Mm-hmm. But honestly, MLS is uh, the, the entire league is not a sprint. It's a marathon.
1: Right. So and, 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 and you and can do early bad. Right, it's only April. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you can do bad right now and then later you get hot and go on a streak and you make it to the playoffs. And that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, right now you got, uh, the team sitting, what is it? Uh, 11th in the Western conference. And then you got the team sitting 10th in Liga Mackeys and 12 teams out of the 18, make it to the league the playoffs. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting, but I would definitely tip my cap with all the firepower that Seattle has. Um, this really could be that year that you're thinking, "Hey, MLS has a shot." Um, not just because, again, because you you know you would trust Seattle over another one of these uh, teams, but and when I look at the the teams matching up, it's just. It looks like it's Seattle's to lose, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, outside of the, the grudge match at the end, Seattle really has been putting up uh you know, points in these games as well. They beat Lyon 3-0. I mean, yeah. so it's it it's something that I think I'm not saying it's I definitely would expect it's gonna be a a match that uh you know that um, both teams are gonna bring it. It's gonna be mm-hmm. Interesting one, but yeah, I, I I think we can safely say when we're looking at April twenty sixth and May third, man. Hmm. And, and I wonder if they're ever gonna did they did they fix this for the
1: the revamp? Yes. Is it really gonna be a final and not a two legged? Yeah. For the revamp, it will be a one off final. The one thing that they got right. One thing. <laughs> One thing
0: out of that entire revamp thing was uh, making it a true final, yeah, With the way it should be. But still, you get the, the, the home and home, home and away, whatever you wherever you want to look at it. Um, April 26th, May 3rd, circle that down because very well could be the time MLS is finally uh, crowned champions of CONCACAF after all of these incredible, I mean, Con- Champions League anyway, CONCACAF. Uh so in in its uh the current format. So switching gears here to looking at the uh, international side of things on the on the women's side, uh United States women's national team, as I mentioned, 9-0 over Uzbekistan, uh 9-1 previously to that. I mean, you look at those score lines and you go, What is there to take away yeah. from that? You know? Um, but is there something to take away? Yeah, I,
1: I mean, you're getting a more focus on your next crop for this World Cup cycle and potentially the next World Cup cycle and your debut of your latest set of big names like Trinity Rodman. She scored a goal, so it's like... Yeah, her first goal. Exactly, sure. her first goal for the U.S., so it's like, great you're getting these younger players experience and you're setting up for the next generation. I think really that's the big thing, because if you look at it, it's like, okay, you're not surprised that it was such a wide margin, but right. you look at who performs, who actually scores the goals and you think, okay, these are going to be the names to keep my eyes on.
0: No, definitely. Um, between, between both games you got i think what you wanted to see out of the who you think could be your star who you know are going to be your stars mm-hmm. and then also who you think could be the the ones to kind of be right up there with them you know like a lot of thought coming in about Sophia Smith she comes in and scores three gets the hat trick in the first game Mallory Pugh gets a goal who's been um performing well for Red Stars and uh, for country as well. Katerina Marcaro has been absolutely on fire. She's been tremendous. And, you know, uh, Ashley Sanchez should be uh, giving her uh, some props as well, uh, because in both games, uh, she, in, in both games, uh, she played uh, extremely well. And in both games, <laughs> uh, she scored. So, in in eventually the same minute as well. At the end, <laughs> at the end, she scores. Um, Katerina Mercura even did it for free kick, which was uh, pretty great as well. Rose Lavelle, we saw her get in there and have some nifty moves as well, set up a lot of these goals. So you kind of see what Vladco is trying to do. Um, he really is pushing for the that that younger generation. Get them mm-hmm. in there get them playing together which is very important and considering these are these possibly might be the last friendlies that the u.s women's national team plays uh before you get to those W qualifiers it's very important that you saw this and then two very similar games as well you know um like very similar number of shots shots on target almost half the shots were on target for the u.s i mean uh pitching a shutout in the second game. Uh very good to see. Uh you know, oh, yeah. and it's uh it's very good progress, but honestly again, it's also Uzbekistan, right? So uh gotta cool the Jets a bit on getting super excited because you still need to face actual competition in games that matter. That being said, you could say the same thing for the CONCACAF W qualified teams as well, Eric. If you look at um, these actual, like the six teams besides Canada and U.S. Mm-hmm. that you know were already there automatically, and Jamaica, credit to them, did make uh, the World Cup representing CONCACAF in 2019. You're talking about games that even in the the one that was supposed to be against the the, the the group leaders, they were big results. Oh, yeah. I mean, so you were talking about a Jamaica winning 5-1 over Dominican Republic. Mexico beating Puerto Rico 6-0. Uh, Costa Rica whooping Guatemala 5-0. I mean, so there wasn't this, like, I don't know that aside from Panama and El Salvador – um and Trinidad having to deal with Guyana actually fighting with them to make – like, I never felt – El Salvador was really never in that game. They just defended well, mm-hmm. whereas Guyana, Trinidad, Tobago that was a fight. Like, that was the only one that was actually a fight. Trinidad dropped points, the only one of the qualified teams to drop points um, out of the four games that each of them played. But for the most part, it was a lot of domination from the teams that made it. So this sets up a CONCACAF W where we're gonna really see who are the best teams.
1: Oh, absolutely, and it's showing kind of where the <laughs> levels of talent that the rest of CONCACAF are at. You have your two titans in the U.S. and Canada. Now you have these level of teams that are forming your. Second tier, but pushing themselves on their way up, and then you have everybody else. Now, Mm -hmm. it's really going to be interesting how the U.S. and Canada do, because now that you've got the best of the best from the rest, you'd expect them to really beat each other up. You're not going to get your big 5-0, 6-0, 6-1 result. A lot of maybe like 2-0s, 1-1s, things of that nature. So how can not only these teams go ahead and make the push for those semifinal spots, the presumed two that you would expect with U S and Canada taking the other two, but how will both sides of the border go ahead and really test them and show, Hey, you all still have a long way to go to catch us. Yeah,
0: uh, definitely. Uh, So here is just to actually give you what this looks like when, the teams will be playing each other from July fourth to July eighteenth in Mexico. Uh, by the way. So in Monterrey. So this is not like US advantage. This uh-uh. is hey, the US actually is is gonna have to go and play in Mexico, uh, in Guadalupe and San Nicolás de los Garza, you know, in that area. It's not um, you know, going and playing in various venues of the United States. This is a different one, you know. So good on uh, also whoever set this up to actually um, make this a challenge also with the terrain and very interesting as well um, for Canada, how that's going to be for them. You know, Um, uh, the draw actually happens next week. So we'll um, it happens on the 19th, which is Tuesday. So definitely when we uh, do a show again on Wednesday because Sunday's Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. not doing a show that day. But um when we do the the show next Wednesday, we'll be able to talk about the draw and who actually is going to be in each group. You know the US and Canada are seated, so they're number 1. But they have to still beat number 1 or number 2 in each group to to advance. And then those four teams that advance, you actually make it to the World Cup. Mhm. Um, whoever actually wins the entire tournament, you also are qualified to the Olympics, right? Automatically, so there's that. And then the two teams that wind up as third, you advance to the interconfident uh confederation playoffs, playoffs again. <laughs> um, so they will face uh, they'll have a draw obviously for that, and then we'll we'll see how uh, that goes. Um I mean that's that's cool that this one tournament has such a it basically makes everything else happen. Uh, yeah, like really love to see that. And obviously, this World Cup is bigger than the one to four. It's uh, thirty two teams now, so equal to the men, even though the men are about to go on to the forty eight team one uh, the next go around But like, I don't know if you saw any of the highlights of the games or anything like that, but. I really feel like this could be very interesting. Mexico being the home team here. And then having, uh, I thought Haiti looked really good. I mean, obviously Jamaica uh, is going to carry a lot of that team forward from the 2019 um, team that made the world cup. And I thought also uh, Panama looked pretty decent as well. So, and then of course, obviously Mexico, so man, I think, you know, we could definitely see perhaps US and Canada really have to Oh yeah uh get to get they do get some challenges here. And that that's what I hope for this young US women's national team. Um we'll have to see if Vladko really sticks with it, right? This is gonna mm-hmm. be interesting because there's a lot of time between I mean, you say it's a lot of time, right? But it kind of comes faster than, than you think. But still, it's April to July. There's still some months in between. There's a lot of time for some of these veterans to show out in NWSL. And what does Vladko do at that point? Does he stick with the squad that he's brought? Which that's what he's been trying to do this entire time. He says, I've been trying to get these young this, this young group of players to all play together and start and everything mm-hmm. else. Or does he go back to some of the veterans because this is a big champion, you know, a big tournament that determines everything?
1: I would hope he doesn't do an exact about face. I mean, would you love to see some veteran presence if possible? Yes. But to me, if I am looking at that, I would look at them for some leadership mentorship for these young players instead of major minutes. And I think with Vlako, I trust him to get that nice blend because, yes, there is a lot on the line a double qualification, but if you get a lot of these younger players this experience, all the better for you if and when you make the tournament so that way, okay, we can make another run.
0: Yeah, certainly. I I do hope that we get to see some kind of adversity for the U.S. Women's National Team. You see some of these teams actually give them a go. And then again, like having this not be the United States, I think is uh, a big thing and a big win, I think for everyone and getting to see how this goes for being in a familiar uh, territory, you know, because a lot mm-hmm. of these friendlies are all played in the U S you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff, you know, so it's, it's good to see this. Oh yeah. Uh, finally. And again, it won't be too long. We'll get to see them and see how they perform uh, uh down there, uh, down in Mexico. And if they can come up with uh, what you would expect, which is to be part of that final four that mm-hmm. goes to uh, the World Cup. So I would say watch out for Haiti, though. I think they could definitely be uh, part of that four as well, depending on who they get uh, drawn against there. But... Talking about on the other side of the U.S. men. Once again, Giovanni Reina is hurt. Another reoccurrence of that hamstring injury. This time it's an actual tear, um, which was going to put him out for the rest of the Bundesliga season. And you have to wonder if this is going to affect him when it comes to those uh, friendlies as well. Um, that are going to be vital for the U.S. because mm-hmm. those are the only things you're going to have uh, in the lead up to the World Cup. Uh, there's no send-off series, as I mentioned before. It's um, what three friendlies you get in June, and then the two CONCACAF Nations League games, and then in September you get two more games, and that's it. Yep. So um, he obviously went off crying in that game. I mean, playing two minutes. Um, and then getting hurt that's awful i mean obviously this this isn't great for the the national team obviously not not great for his uh young career i mean, how do you think this is going to do you think this affects him at
1: all i do you i think yeah i really think so because when you have an athlete especially a young athlete pushing fine tuning honing their craft Playing at such a high level, then you get hurt. It's one thing which you can bounce back, and if you can have another sustained injury-free run, you can put it behind you. But then when you get hurt again and again and again, and now you're starting to see it getting progressively worse, now this is a hamstring tear. Yes, you're talking about the rest of the season. Maybe, depending on the severity of the tear and how everything goes, you're ruling him out. Could you get him in September? I mean, June, July, you know, is just about out of the question. Then if you're not playing in that long of a time, then you're struggling to keep getting back, getting back. You have the attachment of being injury-prone on you, all these things. It can really be demoralizing. And I hope, for not his sake, and everybody's a geo can – look at this and not let it get to him too much. So that way he can push through and bounce back, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Cause this is really going to get in his head. Yeah. You
0: do worry about kind of having some of the similar steps that we saw with Pulisic where he mm-hmm. gets hurt. And then it's not only just uh, an injury that always oh, misses a game and whatever. Now it's these prolonged injuries that where he's missing a lot. And remember we saw him, in that first game against South Salvador, then we didn't see him again until this last window with the mm-hmm. US, US men. So, uh, and then you know, for Dortmund, it's been like that as well, and like trying to get you, earn your place back at in the, at the club level. That's also a thing as well. I think what helps him really is that right now, I think uh, he's good friends with Erling Holland, and then mm-hmm. you see how he and Holland combine and. But it's kind of – got to look at it too. The guy that replaces him has now scored uh, both times after Rayna exits. So that's not uh, too great on that. And I think that's that's got to bother him. And then just like knowing that you're not really getting to make that impact that you want on your club and be able to set yourself up for further things. And like you said, man – does that put him in jeopardy for those those June friendlies and those June games? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then it's also like an internal thing of does he learn? That, does he have to learn to trust himself and know that I had an injury, I'm gonna go on, right? And I'm gonna do the best I can, and that's a kind of a that I mean, the good thing is he's young, right? Oh yeah, so. He's young, he can heal
1: quicker, come back stronger, and then knowing that that can happen, definitely let the mentals come in, and believing that you can, everything else can fall into play.
0: Yeah, the only good thing I guess you could say about that is with his injury has come the availability of other players to be able to step in and kind of fill those roles Um you know, again, you already know McKinney's going to still be out. So, but it does have that ability for Aronson to be able to come in or, um, you know, way to play on that or, you know, even Acosta or whoever else you want to put in the middle, if you want to put in there. So you do have options if you're Greg Berhalter, but mm-hmm. obviously you, those are two big key pieces out of your midfield and forward line or, that you know you're missing and you hope that you can get that all together at some point before the world cup to, to get them to get some chemistry, you know? Right. So let's uh, probably should have talked about the, the slide of new England while we were talking <laughs> about the can of champions league, since we are already in it, but it is crazy to think about the team that, even though yes, we did see them kind of bomb out of the the playoffs. Mhm. Um it seems to kind of have been a direction for them, right? And right. okay, they they bombed out of the playoffs and then we come next season instead of being hungry a uh, little bit of like championship
1: withdrawal there. Or... Y- yeah, and it's like okay. You have all of this and you have sustained success over the course of a regular season. When you're in one or two match situations like MLS Cup playoffs, you fail. Right. Then you're going into CONCACAF Champions League very early on, like shocking. And like a 2 like aggregate, again, you fail. And you wonder, is New England really built for more regular season success and that's it or are they missing a couple of pieces and then if they are built for regular season success then how did he start to really affect you as far as towards the beginning of your regular season because it's not really going that hot right now what's going on with confidence what's going on uh, between teammates it's something just went out and i'm not sure if it's something that can easily come back.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just, it feels like it is a little bit of that. I mean, they did win the supporters show last year. It was going to be incredible. I mean, after you win, you get like the, the points, the historic points title. I mean, it's mm-hmm. crazy to think that, you know, you're going to do that again. That's, you usually never see that happen where they do it twice. It's like mm-hmm. you see a big, Big win, and then they kind of okay. We don't, we didn't do it the second time, but I mean, you just lost to Inter Miami, who had not won at all. I mean, that is really low. You know, that's a it, it is only a five game losing streak when you count um, you no know, Concacaf Champions League where they did get eventually beat by the finalist, Pumas. But mm-hmm. it's still just weird you know yeah,
1: it's yeah and and it's not just an ordinary five match losing streak right it's a five match losing streak in these various competitions normally you would be able to hang your hat on at least something and maybe with the way the schedule lined up and everything that happened early on in CCL that was kind of to their detriment maybe had they played those games it would have been, could have been worse and it could have been bounced out even earlier, but it could have been better getting more under your feet. Because, I don't know. I've got too many question marks.
0: Yeah. I mean, they have been giving up goals late as well, which that kind of shows a little bit of sometimes like mental focus mm-hmm. of you're giving game winners away in the 80th minute or later. I mean, that's incredible, too. Um, And just also, like, not having, you know, all your star players fit, that can be a hindrance as well. I mean, Matt Turner's not been playing, so that's um, – which, you know, if we remember, Matt Turner apparently got frostbite in that game, the U.S. game, where they played in the five degrees. Uh, So, I mean – that's all kind of together in this and saying, yeah, the revs are not the same. Mm -mm. Right. So, and it's definitely showing, you know, you're not, you're not, the attack's not the same. Um, They're lacking uh, defensive focus. Again, they don't have their leader at the back and their goalkeeper, Matt Turner. So, I mean, interesting that they're playing a Charlotte team that, you know, got an a Olympico the other day and, and won and beat Atlanta. So, are they going to go down again and lose? Are they finally going to use that as a way to kind of go on a run? What do you
1: think? You think that I, they, they get back to winning ways on Saturday? I don't think so. I think w- even with Charlotte and looking at their debuts. The big game where they had the attendance record nearly had that they showed that fight. You mentioned the Olympico against Atlanta. It's a team that's like they know what they're there for. They're not gonna be like Cincinnati or Inter Miami, and oh, we're gonna wait and get you know these big names or figure everything out and not worry about results. They're like they're gonna come in.
0: I yeah, I really do appreciate it about them. Win. Yeah. Well you we I think we talked about it, right? We like you look at that squad and you go, who the heck's going to do what on this team, right? Yeah. Like there's no big star player. There's no, no person you're like selling the tickets on. It's just Charlotte FC and then they oh, they're fighting every single game and that's mm-hmm. that's incredible,
1: you know. Yeah. And I think with something like this, just like how losing breeds losing and it's contagious. Now that Charlotte has got not just this competitive, but that competition that turns into wins, they're going to want to keep that rolling. And this is ripe for them to get three points against the New England team. Yeah, certainly. So, sticking on the club
0: side, but on the uh, Premier League side of things, oh, boy, what do you say after Manchester United lose to Everton?
1: The... <laughs> Goodbye top four? I mean, I, I mean <laughs> a- a- Hey a- yeah. Eric Ten Hag If you're going to sign that deal Be prepared to cut your teeth again in the Europa League It just won't be like with Ajax I This season And I get that there was a lot of noise Even going into this year It just seems like Ralph Ragnik is done Key players on this team Is done There's been so many questions. Harry Maguire's captaincy, how much longer is Ronaldo going to be there? Younger players, all this and that. And them
0: fighting with each other inside the lock. I mean, not fighting physically, but like just some inter issues in the locker room. And then obviously, I think this is it all comes down to that thing of the whole interim coach thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could have just kept Michael Carrick on and just kept giving him more games and more games and said, look, we're looking for somebody. We're looking for somebody. Uh, He's going to be on to the end of the season and then we'll reevaluate all that. I mean, the, I don't understand this idea of the interim manager. And I think from the moment that you brought him in, the players already know, well, we don't need to listen to him because he's not going to be here. Yeah. And And then they realize they don't really like him. So it's like, well, let's – I'm not saying, like, not try or whatever. Right. But it's just – there's not a lot of motivation. No. For them to go out and really try to get behind anything because they don't necessarily want him to be the coach next season. No, they don't. And And what does it matter to them? Because some of them won't be there, number one. And then number two – okay, this whatever new coach comes in, who knows what that's going to be like next year, you know?
1: Exactly, because I get why the board and everyone up top didn't want to make the same mistake they ended up making with Solskjaer, which, all right, you've done enough, keep you on, get you a deal. But I think, especially with someone like Michael Carrick, as you said, we're going to give you this window. Don't worry about what's going on behind the scene. You're going to be our guy for now. Do what you can. And if they say, hey, maybe you could be the guy, or even if you're not, just have that steady voice to write the ship right then and there. If at the end of the season it doesn't work, you've got your plans and everything in place, and you're not scrambling like the way you did. Because you yeah. not only brought in a guy who, interim manager, oh, then he's going to be transitioning the role, and oh, he's going to be finding the next manager, in this and that. You're not only going to wonder what his focus is, but as you mentioned, the team's focus, it's like, how long is he going to be here, and what's he really going to do? And then you have it with Ragnick, it's like, okay, what am I really going to do, and why am I really going to be here? How am I going to focus? Do I go full throttle implementing this on the pitch or do I set up and tell the next person, Hey, this is what you've got to work with. It's this was just handled horribly. I
0: mean, and how much does that director role even matter? Because we know the glaciers don't even listen to most of their people that they hire to supposedly, uh, you know, give them ideas and what to do and everything. So um, that's the, that's the issue is that, and, and to go back to your point, the issue wasn't hiring Solskjaer in the first place. The issue was letting Solskjaer stay on for long. Yes, exactly. Um, so like, it wouldn't have been bad to let Carrick mm-hmm. be there. Yeah. It's just at the end of the season, unless, unless they did some miracle thing where they went on this tear where they went all the way to third or something and were fight where, you know, they were fighting Chelsea for third something mm-hmm. like that, which, yeah, they were doing fine, right? They were doing fine, but there was nothing that you saw under Carrick that wasn't really nothing that you didn't see under Soulscar yet. I mean, I mm-hmm. don't know if they he would have really changed a whole lot, but still, it's the whole, well, Carrick is another guy that used to be at the club. People have respect yep. for him. Like, yep. it's, you're bringing in this total unknown guy that doesn't have anything to do with – um the premier league he has no experience there i mean yes you're going to say the same thing for ten hag but he has experience at at ajax right like he mm-hmm. um you know we've he we've seen what he's been able to do it's a there's a step there there's some a logical progression a little bit right oh yeah um it's just i don't know and then then you also you know what's going on with marcus rashford what's going on with uh excuse me um, with Paul Pogma, you know, there's just, there's a lot there. And I think it's a, it's just a combination of my Lord, this is a, this is a teardown and uh we really need to figure out who the hell is going to be on this team. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about really what Ten Hag could bring yet because still it's not done and dusted. I don't want to get excited. And then, uh you know, we hear something else on Monday Um, He does apparently have an offer from R.B. Leipzig as well to go over there. So um, and I'm sure they would be prepared to offer him a lot more than the Glazers are going to offer him as far as like how much decisions he's going to have, you know, Mm -hmm. in in the signings and everything, which he really needs to have. If you want to change this team and not be middling and not be because now you now you've hopefully the Glazers see what it's going to be like to not get that Champions League money
1: Yeah, next and, year. And the fact is, you're not getting Champions League money. You've got the whole drama about what you're finally going to do to Old Trafford and the renovations. Right. And they are thinking about it like this. You've already had people calling for your heads. This is an unprecedented run for Manchester United. Five seasons. Five seasons, no silverware. Yeah, this is just in any way not acceptable and knowing we talked about you know the German press and fans and everything there we've seen what United fans can do when they're pissed off they won't hesitate to do it again if it gets worse and it's shaping up to get worse yeah but I think now that you know
0: that Ten Hag's been appointed saying that everything's going to go well That's the thing. It's almost like, uh, well, whatever happens the rest of the season, I guess let's hope that you get fifth or sixth so you can get into the Europa League and not Europa League conference and go from there. But it's just like, you know, okay, you got Norwich. I mean, that's the thing. Because Norwich is fighting for their life, you know, um, you can't even trust Ragnar to be able to go out there and confidently. Go no. and beat a Norwich team. No, especially
1: and, not after that god awful performance against Everton.
0: <laughs> no, and then and then you got Liverpool. After that, you got Arsenal. After that, which Arsenal's gone in a little bit of a dip as well. But if there is anyone that you can go and get a win against this Manchester United right now, you got Brentford, who have been tremendous now after Christian Erickson has <laughs> uh, has has come back. I mean. Look! Look! I mean, we were worried about Brentford getting relegated. They have been—they've been playing really well,
1: and and I then, knew beginning of the season. Like I said, my wallet is half thinking me right now. Just needs Leicester to step up, but that's not important. <laughs> uh, exactly.
0: I mean, so but you look at from now to the end of the season. It's like Brighton's been tricky. I mean, they just you know, won a game that you would have thought they they shouldn't have won. Crystal Palace has been tricky this year. I mean, there's no game where you can go, oh, yeah, that's – well, I mean, you, there's no game you can go, oh, yeah, that's a surefire with Manchester United at this point. Right. But, like, all of these games are possible losses or drop points or draws. Yeah, or, you, you're uh, easily
1: – you're talking instead of, okay, at least a point, maybe three with recent form you're thinking and maybe a point in some of these and if you don't pick up with these wins now you're in a battle fighting not for fifth but for seventh and then what then imagine everything that's going to happen if you're worrying about not being in europe whatsoever
0: i mean that's a possibility it's it's sad <laughs> to say but it's a possibility of could they realistically not be in any European places at all the way things are going? Because it's not like, you know, it's, it's not like West Ham are just gonna, I mean, West Ham can keep faltering because they've had to play the same players constantly
1: Mm -hmm. and don't
0: have a way to rotate. But I mean, you still got wolves in the mix. Yep. um, Who they are kind of dangerous. And then, Tottenham and Arsenal, I mean Spurs are flying right now. And uh the way Chelsea have kind of been in the league a little bit, um, yeah, they just whooped Southampton 6-0 or whatever, but are they gonna deflate from losing the Champions League and get pulled into the the scrum as well? Mm-hmm. You know, or they're gonna pull Tottenham and and Arsenal and everybody into that. I mean, because they're only three points. Uh, Arsenal have a, a game in hand, and I mean, Chelsea have a game in hand as well. But, like, that that whole thing is is possibly there for um, this fight between uh, Tottenham, Arsenal, West Ham, Wolves, uh, to just make Man United be stuck in eighth. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they are just that inept and that, like... There's there's no flow, there's no chemistry, there's no nothing. It's just the same thing that it's been since Solskjaer. People, these players just get on the pitch, yep. they run around, somebody maybe does something, and if the defense can maybe hold on, that's it. I yeah, mean, it's just you're, like. You're putting oh.
1: out 11 individuals. You're not putting out a team. Yeah, I mean, and that's what you're hoping
0: with Ten Hag is that you will eventually get a team. Will it have to be, like, a few seasons to get that? Probably because, again, I don't think you can get away. You can't get rid of all these players.
1: No, and even then, looking how – if it is Ten Hag, look at how he plays in his philosophy. You still got the pressing, which you would consider a 4-3-3, maybe a 4-2-3-1. How are you going to implement that with the way that he sets up different numerical advantages in parts of the pitch? That's a lot to implement just in one season. So we'll see. If it's him, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So
0: let's, uh, you know, let's look at one last thing, which is interesting uh, just from the fact that you can actually go use this right now apparently uh fifa plus um i think it's like i don't know that there's apps on your streaming tvs at the moment but i am on uh the website and they do uh have uh you know old world cup games uh they they do have uh like little documentaries um things like that at the moment the what they are supposedly promising is that you'll be able to eventually watch like club team games um, for leagues in countries where these leagues don't have TV deals. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say the Premier League or something but oh no let's let's talk about like let's say maybe the Dutch league doesn't have a TV deal in some country, you could you could watch it through there. Um, you know they're promising eventually forty thousand live matches per year from a hundred member associations across all six confederations, including twenty nine thousand men's games and eleven thousand women's matches um, from Europe's top flight leagues to previously unserved competitions. Um, so like right now, you can actually stream matches from the Mongolian second league, Nepal's women's football league. And see, this is what I was talking about, Eric. Like, you're talking about like Nepal's Women's Football League, the 3F Superliga. I mean
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> okay. gonna I'm not gonna sit and knock it because knowing me and how I operate, if I were to get my hands on this, I may just check that out some nights. Nothing to do, nothing going on. I would tune in. So I'm not going to say anything about that whatsoever. And we were talking about this off air. Even yeah. for some of like your mid-tier or your bigger leagues that are underserved. Like even in here, I don't get much access to your Brazilian Serie A or Campeonato Sao Paulo. Things like that that I would want to watch. I used to be able to watch and I would. If I were to get access to that, great. You have, like they say, every World Cup game ever. I would love to see the 1950 Brazil v. Uruguay or go back and watch the sixth final England v. West Germany or even that North Korean team that made a run. So there's benefits. Yeah. But there's still the parts in my mind, knowing FIFA, it's like, okay, are they really going to keep this up or doing everything and could – indeed grow the game tremendously from a digital or media access standpoint with these, or are they going to go ahead, keep bowing down and find some way to chase more money?
0: I mean, right now it's free and and ad supported or whatever. And like I said, I'm not going to turn my TV on right now behind me to see if there's an app on my Roku. I'm sure eventually they will do that. Mm -hmm. um but right now it's you know you can go on your pc and go to fifa.com and it's right there immediately when you go on fifa.com they they want you to go on fifa plus or whatever um but eventually they're going to charge something for this like especially especially around when the world cup happens
1: oh yeah it'll
0: be five dollars to watch and you can watch like the highlights I mean the thing is, are they gonna be putting them on YouTube or they're gonna try to put everybody to go to FIFA Plus? I mean that's um that's exactly you know. what
1: I mean. Chasing the money if yeah. they do that, I can guarantee it's gonna be FIFA Plus
0: exclusive. Guarantee. Yeah. I mean, are they gonna have I mean that that's the thing, is they're launching this now so they can have things built around it for the World Cup, obviously. I mean, I would hope that you're gonna have uh, shows outside of what you're going to see on Fox or Telemundo or whatever that FIFA themselves can bring about the teams and uh, things like that that perhaps right now while it's not paid for you can eventually push that stuff to YouTube and get people to go watch things. But I think it's cool that even though look, I'm I'm not going to watch these leagues. I don't have enough time just to even watch the EPL and La Liga and whatever. Mm-hmm. But it is cool that you can watch them and, and at some point they want to add more leagues and, and all that stuff. Like make the like you said, make the game more yeah. global. Make yeah. it me, where give,
1: give me access to the Brazilian and Japanese top flights and I'm sold. Well Paramount
0: Plus, Paramount Plus somebody has the Brazilian and uh, Argentinian as well. So Okay, but um, still
1: I, I don't see Roll of Red Diamonds. Come on, I don't see my guys over there from Saitama Prefecture.
0: Right, you're right. No. Uh, you know, <laughs> let's see, let's see if you do get those Japanese <laughs> uh leagues added, or um, you know, the do you get the Uruguay League or the Colombian League? Or um, you know, those are leagues that some people might consider to be in the top 20 mm-hmm. of of the world or whatever. I mean, you know, do you get that? Do you get those kind of things where oh wow, this this could be something, and eventually do you spin that off where they could make money and get another company that is bigger in soccer rights to buy that because they were able to get people to watch it there um i think it's an interesting thing i think it's an interesting concept it's obviously like any other streaming service how much are they going to use it are they going to be able to build things on top of it. Like I think these documentaries, I love documentaries. So Mm -hmm. anytime you can make a documentary and put it on, especially about soccer, I'm watching it. So I will definitely be watching one of my favorite players ever, Ronaldinho in this documentary, uh, you know, probably tomorrow before I go to work. So, you know, my point is I think it's a good start. Let's see what happens by the time Mm -hmm. we get to the world cup. Oh yeah. Where this thing is at, but it's cool that FIFA has its own streaming service, I guess. So, with that being said, that's it for the show today. Um, Happy Easter, happy Good Friday to everybody. To Eric, Um, hope you all are get to enjoy the holiday. Happy birthday to my daughter; she's eleven today.
1: Oh, happy birthday!
0: um, So that is a that's a cool thing. I get to sleep for about five hours, then I have to rush to try to do her birthday before she goes to school <laughs> um and then uh you know i got to appreciate it because soon then she'll be a teenager and be like oh, i don't want to do birthdays with you dad
1: oh trust uh, so me. I, I i my nephew just turned 14 so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
0: you know it's uh this is a holiday that um you know uh be careful out there the covid cases are going back up again um so yeah, we will be back on Wednesday, uh well Thursday uh <laughs> morning or afternoon for you guys uh that are listening on demand or, or watching on YouTube. Um we'll like I said, we'll talk about the concaf W draw and we'll we'll discuss uh, you know, the FA Cup game between uh, man City and Liverpool, and whatever else is going on with Manchester United see if Eric Tanaga does a little bit more than verbally commit by the time the next time we're around, and we'll see um what else has been going on in the world of soccer till then, so Eric, it's time we bid adieu peace everyone peace. <laughs>